It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. The Rangers grab a comeback win, a one-run win in Seattle. Is it their best win of the season, and what did they do to get it done? All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Paddock, a criminally addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 9th. Your Rangers are 22 and 13 with a two game lead in the American League West. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Paddock. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Comment, is this the best one of the season? If this one isn't, then what is the best Rangers one of the season? Because the Rangers won 2-1 to one in Seattle, a one-run win on the road against the Seattle Mariners. Two things that they did not do well. They did not play well in Seattle. They did not play well against the Mariners last year, and they did not play well at all in one-run games, but the Rangers did all of these. They also did it in comeback fashion, and of course, the day that I released an episode talking about how historically great this offense is, the Rangers only <laughs> scored two runs, get perfect game through six innings, and strike out 13 times, but they did enough to get the win. I talked about it in yesterday's show, and I've talked about it before on, on this show, why the Mariners are struggling right now. They are below 500. The Rangers did that. They were 500 heading into this series, but their offense is, is not great, and the reason that wasn't great today was John Gray. We'll get into John Gray's fantastic start later, but I want to go through this game. This was this was a crucial game for the Rangers. This is an important series. The Rangers need to win as many of these games as they can. John Gray is the best pitcher that the Rangers have starting in this series, unless, well, it depends. Wednesday is, is a TBD situation, but it's going to be TBD versus Luis Castillo in the afternoon game on Wednesday. That is going to be a tough matchup for the Rangers. Then they have Andrew Heaney on the hill in the second game of the series, but John Gray versus Logan Gilbert was about as good of a matchup as the Rangers had in this particular series, and Logan Gilbert was absolutely fantastic in this one. He had the perfect game through six innings. This Rangers offense just was not able to come up with anything against him for the first six innings. He had eight straight strikeouts, which was a Mariners franchise record for most consecutive strikeouts in a game. He broke the record that was held with three-way tie with Luis Castillo had one in September of last year where he had seven straight. Logan Gilbert was fantastic and unfortunately he's going to be fantastic for the Mariners for a long time. They have a lot of really great pitching on this team, but not a lot of good offense. The Rangers were able to get some clutch offense. Marcus Simeon breaks up the perfect game with a 
dribbler up the middle, stung just enough to get past the shortstop there. Then Nathaniel Lowe comes in with one out and boops a little single, hits hits it 106 miles an hour off the bat, and then a crucial, crucial at-bat from Adolis Garcia, a six-pitch walk off of Logan Gilbert to load the bases for Josh Young. And I think that, even more so than, than Josh Young and his sack fly and eventually uh, Jonah Himes bloop single to score the go-ahead run and the only other run that would be scored in this game. I think that six-pitch walk from Adolis Garcia kind of tells tells a bigger story. Adolis Garcia has been so, so, so much better this year than he has been in years past, and a big part of that is him walking and being patient, and I think it says a lot about this lineup. You know, one of the things that I talked about in yesterday's show about how great this lineup is and why it's so great is that one through nine, this lineup is pretty freaking solid night to night i mean sandy leone will occasionally be in there and he's not exactly an offensive juggernaut and sometimes josh smith will get in there and so far this season he hasn't put up the most the best offensive numbers of course on sunday's game he had that big two-run shot his second of the season but the the thing about this offense that's so good is there are better one through threes better one through fours lineups in this in this league and dodgers and padres come to mind but this lineup really trusts each other, and they don't have selfish at-bats. And Adolis Garcia has done a much better job this year of not having selfish at-bats. I was curious about him being the cleanup hitter for the full season. I thought, okay, well, we're going to stick with it, and we'll see how it goes. And so far, it's been fantastic. And the reason is because he is walking at a significantly higher rate than I really ever thought possible. I mean, right now, this year, his walk rate is up to 10.2%, which is above league average, which is not something I ever thought we'd say about Adolis Garcia. Last year, it was at 6.1% and 5.1% the year before. The strikeout rate is down 5.4% from last year. He's right around league average in terms of his strikeout rate. He's chasing 11% out of the zone, 11% less than last year. He's swinging and missing less. And as a result, he's getting better pitches to hit, and he is walking much, much better last year in terms of the rate of where he ranked in percentile of baseball he was in the 21st percentile of walk rate in 2021 when he should have won rookie of the year and and did sporting news the only real american league rookie of the year vote that i recognize unless they vote for somebody else besides josh young this year then then they're dead to me as well that year he was had a six he's in the sixth percentile of walk rate in all of baseball he's also in the fifth percentile of strikeout rate this year he's up to the 64th percentile in walk rate he is well above league average in walk rate and right around in the 48th percentile of strikeout rate but that is the thing that is the whole thing that is the whole thing with the Dolls garcia he is incredibly fast um well his somehow sprint speed is in the 22nd percentile right now i don't know what the hell the deal is with that that's just very confusing and um i don't think that he's just immediately become slow once he turned 30 i think he's just not having to run hard a whole lot i I don't know what the deal is with that but you know you know the arm is still at an elite level you know that the power is absolutely prodigious and the whole thing was you need to walk a little bit more is it was like he was like Joey Gallo, except without the walk rate um, and um, without the a little bit better contact rate than than Gallo did. He hit for a little bit better average, but it's like you need to walk a little bit more. You need to be more patient. You need to not ch- chase every single pitch out of the zone. You don't need to hit a home run every single at bat, and you know trust the other guys in your lineup because they're going to pick you up. And that's what Josh Young did. He uh, hit he stung he, he pitched a a slider low and away from logan gilbert on the first pitch of that at bat with the bases loaded and one out to get the sack fly to tie the game exactly what he needed to do and i was listening to locked on mariners their monday episode one of the things that they talked about what that the mariners have struggled the reason why they only won i believe it was a one-run game on sunday they said it was like a three-two game they said it could have been you know 
tended to because the Mariners just couldn't come up with big hits. It was, there was a lot of selfish at-bats, a lot of guys swinging for the fences in situations like that with you know, the, either the bases loaded or runners on second, third with one or zero outs and just put the freaking ball in play, put it into the outfield, get the one run. You're not always going to hit a ball in the gap and clear the bases. You're not always going to hit the ball over the fence and get a three run or a three run homer or a grand slam. You just need to get those runs while they're there. And that is what the Rangers did. They got the runs while they were there. They have been executing extremely well with runners in scoring position this year. I was trying to look up this split stat. Um, but I, I could not find anywhere that had the split of how well the Rangers are hitting with runners in scoring position as a team. Just eyeballing it, they do a really freaking good job of battling in those clutch at-bats, doing exactly what they need. They don't have the biggest numbers like the Rays. They don't have a bunch of people with OPSs over 1,000 or a million guys with an OPS over 900. But when they get their chances, they take advantage of them, and that is why they are able to do these things like they did against the Angels and drop 16 runs um, in against the Angels in that finale or drop seven runs um, in the top of the ninth inning on Saturday's game. That's why they're able to have these big rallies they just do not give up free at bats with two strikes with two outs it doesn't matter this offense trusts each other and they just hand it right up to everybody else this is the first comeback win when of the season when trailing after six innings that is a huge thing the rangers have not really had to do they've been in a lot of blowout games they've had some games where they've blown leads um but they have not been able to have those experience because the offense has been so good that a lot of times when you're running up a you know seven run lead you're not having to come back from behind and that is a good thing for the rangers but it is something that eventually when they're playing these better teams they're gonna have to do a little bit more often the fact that the Rangers were able to do it against this Mariners team that has such great pitching were able to come back against Logan Gilbert, who was really, really on, was incredibly good in this one, um, and get John Gray to end up outdoing him, a guy who was perfect through six innings, is huge. Now, this is last season. I talked about the difference between this team and last team a million times, and you know, it's just a completely different team part of it. A big part of it is the starting rotation and a few more bats in there and just everybody kind of contributing a little bit more. Last season, this team was 15 and 35 in one run games. They were uh, f- five and 14 against Seattle overall, two and seven in Seattle and one and nine in one run games specifically against the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. One and nine against one run games against the Mariners. They are a really good one run team. The Rangers are not so much a really good one run team last year. So far this year, they are two and four in one run games. Hopefully they can continue to get better at that. And this was a redemptive night for the bullpen and a redemptive night for John Gray, who was absolutely fantastic in this one. And the Rangers really, really needed to meet coming up. We're going to look at why John Gray is so important in this rotation, why this start was so huge for him and a redemptive effort for the bullpen. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 in back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There is no place better to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. You can also bet on your baseball bets. Last time I checked last week, Josh Young was the uh, leader for American League Rookie of the Year odds. I think those might have changed because... 
um, because uh, Yoshida is is doing pretty well in in Boston. Maybe maybe Josh Young isn't quite the favorite right now. If you want to go get on those odds, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Thank you all so much for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers on tomorrow's show. I'll talk a little bit more about this rotation. Hopefully a good Andrew Heaney start and maybe tying the longest winning streak of the season. The Rangers take on the Mariners at 838 Central Time tonight. Andrew Heaney versus George Kirby. Another good starting pitching matchup. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, John freaking Gray. This is not the best start in his Rangers career, but this is definitely up there, and it might be the most important start. The best start, I would say, was last year on June 1st. The Rangers had just finished up a fantastic month of May. They were looking to contend or just be better than they were the year before. And, you know, the month of May, they headed into June with a 500 record. June 1st against the Rays. It was a fantastic effort from John Gray. Seven innings, one run, 12 strikeouts for him. The Rangers ended up losing that game, going below 500. And then, well, we all know how the rest of that season went. But the Rangers are not below 500. They are well above 500. And they have some pretty good odds to make the playoffs. According to Fangraphs, they have a 57.5% chance to make the playoffs. That is fantastic. That is the second best in the division behind only the Astros, who are 61.2% chance to make the playoffs. And according to baseball reference, the Rangers have a 54.4% chance to make the postseason and a 2.1% chance to win the World Series, up from, I believe, 0.9% chance the last time that I checked. So they're kind of kind of believe in in this team all these different prognostications that did not believe in this team before and john gray coming up big is a hugely good sign for the rangers this was a seven inning outing for him just the one run the only run was a solo shot a wall scraper to ty france who is the second best first baseman in the division behind nathaniel Lowe, of course um he came in and took a first pitch fastball the opposite field and then after that there was just not much from John Gray he had been struggling with the walks he had not been getting strikeouts he only allowed four hits in this outside of the the solo shot he allowed just three hits didn't allow a single walk struck out eight in seven innings of work and he did so efficiently he only threw 89 pitches in this one I think they're kind of kept him a little bit limited because they thought okay it's a one-run game and they went into the eighth inning they're like all right we've got enough guys in the pen that we can kind of trust them it's been a few days before since they had used their high leverage guys in that Friday disaster against the Angels that, um, you know, the Rangers could be on their longest winning streak of the season or could have tied their longest winning streak of the season if they had not blown that one on Friday. But thought, okay, here you go. 
let's let's throw in the pen um and it was it was decent but john gray is so important to this team i'm going to talk more about the bullpen coming up big and those guys redeeming themselves especially brock burke a really clutch one batter that he faced and did a great job doing it but john gray had been fighting himself ever since he took that liner off the forearm in houston thought his arm was broken thank the good lord it was not broken came back and you know battled his way through some starts it, it it had just been really really rough for him he'd only had two strikeouts per start the last um since that houston game he had two strikeouts in that one in two innings and he had two strikeouts against oakland and that game that was incredibly frustrating that was the one game the rangers lost the rangers were able to give him a pretty decent lead and he just was not able to get through it against Cincinnati he battled through did have a quality start three runs in six innings and again just two strikeouts including number 1000 of his career then against the Diamondbacks two strikeouts five and third innings four runs a pair of home runs only the one walk for him in that one though so that was nice but him just getting back to being himself he had talked about the last few starts is he's just he'd just been battling himself he he didn't have any injury didn't have any pain he was just like i just don't feel like myself and that's the most frustrating part is i can't really pin down exactly what it is well whatever it was he figured out and the rangers need him to continue to figure it out because the rest of this starting rotation i mean nathan evaldi has been absolutely fantastic in his last few outings um, but it, it has been a little rough. Jacob deGrom is just playing a uh, light catch. I don't know exactly what that means, but there's no definite timetable for his return. Martin Perez is coming off his worst start of the season and breaking a 30-something, 33-game, I believe, uh, streak where he had pitched at least five or more innings. That was a really rough outing for him on Sunday. I mean, the Rangers dropping 16 runs kind of masked that, but that was tough for him. For the most part, Perez has been fine, and I think he's going to bounce back and be okay. Um but that was a rough outing, especially since his next outing is going to be against the A's. That's a nice way to bounce back anyway. Um, but Andrew Heaney has definitely had some blow-up starts as of late. Dane Dunning is going to be in the rotation, I think, continuing at this point. It seems like right now he is, would be in line to be the starter <clears throat> in the Wednesday game. I don't know exactly how long he's going to go, and that one went five innings in his Friday start um, again. Um, if he is the starter, then don't expect a winning decision on the road for Dane Dunning. He has still got that monkey on his back. He had his first road winning decision with the Rangers um, in the game where he came in for, for Jacob Grom when he had the no-hitter going in Kansas City. That was his first road winning decision with the Rangers. Still doesn't have one as a starter. It only has one in Major League Baseball as a starter. That was back when he was with Chicago, but... John Gray is an important part of this rotation. We saw how good he could be in stretches last year for that two-month stretch in June and July. In June of last year, he had six starts, 37 and two-thirds innings with 44 strikeouts, 10.5 per nine, and a 239 ERA, followed up with a July that was almost as good, averaging over six innings per start, 11 Ks per nine, a 297 ERA in that month of July. And then wasn't quite as good in really any month outside of that the lowest era he had for a month outside of those two months was september october a four and a half era we have seen the good and the bad john gray the rangers need the good john gray they need him now because he is a crucial part of this rotation you have nathan Eovaldi doing what he's doing and martin perez continuing to be consistent and then you just have the one star that you really have to kind of worry about in andrew heaney sometimes he'll go out there and he'll spin a gem throw you five innings with 10 strikeouts in one run and then other times he'll get you three and two-thirds innings and a seven spot and you're kind of out of it before you start that's just kind of what you get from your number five starter but if your number four starter i mean <clears throat> the four starters is all you're really going to use in the playoffs and 
if the Rangers get to the playoffs, which they're hoping they're going to do, and it's looking like they're going to do at this point, especially if they continue this, then John Gray is going to be the last starter in the rotation, I believe. I'm pretty confident in that. It's going to be him or Heaney. And right now, I'm I'm definitely trusting John Gray a lot more to be consistent um, than Andrew Heaney. But if you're if you're going legitimately one through four starters deep of every time they're probably going to get you a quality start six innings you know three or fewer runs which is about what you're expecting you're hoping from john gray to have an era below four you know, occasionally you'll give the blow up start but if you can get more starts like this out of john gray consistently if this is a sign of him getting things going i know it is against a mariners offense that is um offensively challenged but it is a good sign a good step in the right direction i think he might end up getting a start against Oakland I'm pretty sure because it's a four game series and yeah so he'll get at least one start against Oakland and then build off of this one and then maybe he'll end up starting at some point in the series against the Braves so if you can have string together two starts and then go into series against the Braves with some confidence that would be a hugely great sign for the Rangers but if John Gray looks like the John Gray of the summer of last year as opposed to the spring or the fall of last year that is a hugely great sign for this Rangers rotation and how insanely deep it is, like we've been talking about it all offseason. Coming up, we're going to look at the bullpen, why it was such a huge outing for them, and uh, yeah, why it was so important to trust this bullpen again, and a little bit of concerns about the Rangers' defense. But first, this word from our sponsors. Thank you all so much to the everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day on Thursday's show. Hopefully, I'll talk about an improbable win for the Rangers in that series finale, TBD versus Luis Castillo. That is going to be a very tough pitching matchup. The Rangers take on the Mariners on Wednesday at 2.40 p.m. Central Time. TBD, like I said, versus Luis Castillo. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. The bullpen very much redeemed themselves in this game. A one-run win and three of the, I'd say the three most trusted Rangers relievers at this point came in and did exactly what they needed to do. Jonathan Hernandez came in, got a strikeout, did uh, allow a base runner. Um, I believe it was on a... um, by pitcher, no, it was by an error. Yeah, um, but John Gray nearly got, or uh, Jonathan Hernandez, excuse me, two different Johns. John Hernandez nearly got out of it with a double play, but there was no error charge to Nathaniel Lowe on that play, uh, which I thought maybe, maybe there should have been. It was a little bit concerning that, you know, you, you see a lot of these de- different defensive substitutions. We saw Bubba Thompson come in late in this one um, to relieve Robbie Grossman in left field. That was a good defensive substitution that the Rangers made. But it looked like, I think Nathaniel Lowe was going to get another at-bat in the top of the ninth inning. So the Rangers thought, okay, we probably it's probably worth it for whatever defensive liability Nathaniel Lowe is in here. We had seen it before where the Rangers had put... Uh, I think they, they put Brad Miller in there defensively at first base, who's a little bit better at scooping balls. Um, the Rangers nearly got that double play and got out of it, but instead they had a key situation with the Mariners' best hitter right now, Jared Kelnick, coming up. And so they thought, okay, well, we've, we've faced three batters with Jonathan Hernandez. Let's bring in Brock Burke. I thought maybe they might go with Will Smith to bring him in lefty on lefty. Kelnick has been really good. He still does struggle a little bit against lefties. Um, and he has been on a little bit of a downturn lately from his just torrid start to the season in April. But Brock Burke comes in and gets him to swing and miss on a two-strike slider, 85 miles an hour above the zone that I 
did not see him chasing, did not see Proc Burke throwing that pitch like that and getting a crucial, crucial strikeout. In comes Will Smith, three up, three down, three strikeouts, no nonsense, gets his fifth save of the season in a one-run game. No base runners, no drama, no nothing. This was incredibly important for the Rangers. I talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show, saying this bullpen is, is good about 80% of the time, and when they're not, they are really, really terrible. That is the case with Will Smith. His stuff is not anything that's you know truly astounding. His his breaking stuff is is his best best pitch by far, but um, his fastball isn't anything that's like just absolutely going to blow you away. It's it's fine and it works well and he knows how to use it. He's been in the big leagues for ten years. He doesn't have the most overwhelming stuff. I mean, the slider is the pitch that he uses the most. He uses that forty five percent of the time. Then he uses the fastball forty five percent of the time. He's got a curveball and a changeup that he uses occasionally. But he just knows exactly where to throw his pitches to get guys chase. He's in the top eleven percent of baseball in chase rate, top quarter baseball in strikeout rate and whiff rate. Um, same with expected slugging, barrel percentage, expected ERA slash WOBA. All of those in the top um, quarter of baseball, if not the top twenty to twelve percent of baseball in doing that. He is not a guy with the overwhelming stuff, so there's going to be some some pains. There are occasionally going to be games where Will Smith is beatable, where guys know what his stuff is doing and can get to it. That's just what's going to happen. The Rangers don't have a guy like Devin Williams. They don't have a guy like, I don't know, um, Naftali Feliz in their pen. They they just don't have a guy with that kind of insane stuff that has less variability in their stuff. But the guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to get outs. It's kind of it kind of feels a little bit like Matt Moore last year. It's like I don't know if I really trust it going into the season, but the more it goes on, the more I trust it. And by the way, speaking of Matt Moore, it would be really freaking nice to have Matt Moore. I don't know why the Rangers didn't re-sign him. He was fantastic last year, and he has been very good for the Angels in their pen, and now you let him go walk to a division rival where he can go make them better. By the way, the Angels beat the, the Astros last night, so they stay two games behind the Rangers, and both the Astros and the Mariners are below 500 and tied for third place in the American League West just uh, chef's kiss it's just beautiful it's beautiful I don't know if it's going to stay like that but the Rangers are doing well to continue to build on their lead hopefully they can get another win hopefully they can get a good outing from Andrew Heaney who really needs one in a bad way he's also going to get a start against the uh, Oakland A's that is going to be huge for him and for his confidence I believe if my math is is mathing that he is going to start the final game of that series in Oakland before the Rangers head back to face off against the Braves for three Um, but the Rangers pen it has some variability but I trust these guys for the most part I trust Brock Burke I trust Jonathan Hernandez being put in the right situation and I trust Will Smith um, it's going to take Bruce Bochy some time. He is the bullpen whisperer, and I do think for the most part he makes pretty much presses the right buttons at the right time, but he is still new to this team. He's learned this team in spring training. He's had a month and 10 days, nine days so far to, to work with this team in the regular season and kind of figure out, all right, who does well in what role, who does well in what situations, who can I trust here, who can I trust there, and it takes some time to figure those things out. You don't even if you are one of the greatest tacticians, one of the greatest, you know, bullpen managers that we've seen in baseball as manager in the last, you know, quarter century. That's what I think Bruce Bochy is. It does take time to learn these guys and your personnel. And even if you put in the right guy at the right time, sometimes 
they're just going to have bad outings. Occasionally, that's the way baseball go. But I trust Bruce Bochy to know this pen, to um, know when to throw guys at the right times. And a win like this is just absolutely ginormous. The Rangers stay in first place, stay with that two-game cushion. The Rangers need to continue winning these games. And then hopefully they can just, you know, just kick off a long winning streak. The Rangers haven't had a really long winning streak so far. It's been a lot of just short two, three game winning streaks followed by one loss, followed by two, three game winning streaks, followed by like one loss. And then that, you know, very upsetting four game losing streak in a bunch of games that they shouldn't have lost to the Cincinnati Reds and one game that they were always probably going to lose to Garrett Cole and the Yankees. But this team is is just building trust every single day. They are responding to these different situations. They are proving they are not the Rangers of the last four, five years six years that it's been since this team has been in the playoffs they are a completely new bunch they have a new manager they have a new gm they have all kinds of new young guys that are out there blossoming they they're starting rotation that i trust more than anything it's it's a little bit reminiscent this weekend was a little bit reminiscent of the rangers teams of the olden days of my youth and probably of your youth because if unless you're like three years old now the rangers for always have been a team with a bunch of big boppers that are just absolutely mashing everybody and some questionable starting pitching and bullpen pitching and just pitching in general but the rangers don't play across the street anymore unfortunately there is no jet stream in this park there is occasionally an open roof gust which is nowhere near uh the jet stream level but this is a complete team this is one of the more complete teams that i think we've seen in a while it it's been since I think this is the most complete team that I would say it is since since those 2010 through 2012 teams. I mean, the 2016 and 2015 teams had really good top end starting rotation. They had a much more trustworthy bullpen, I think. But the offense, I don't think was nearly as deep. They had, you know, peak Adrian Beltre, which I don't think anybody here is quite peak Adrian Beltre. Corey Seager on his day is is close to it, but he's not quite that. They don't have, you know, peak Prince Fielder, who was not quite peak Prince Fielder. They don't have, you know, a bunch of other guys that kind of randomly would explode. It was basically just Adrian Beltre and Friends offense that uh, the Mariners are kind of employing with Julio Rodriguez and Friends offense this year. Uh, it's not quite deep enough, but this this lineup is deep. The starting pitching staff is, I think, deeper. At the top end, Jacob DeGrom is better than anybody the Rangers have ever had pitching. I don't know that Nathan Eovaldi is quite as good of a, of a number two as Cole Hamels was at his peak, and this bullpen is definitely not anywhere near as good as those 2015 and 16 Rangers bullpens that were just so freaking nasty. Um, it would be nice to get one of those again, but um, this is a complete team, a huge, huge win. I would say the best win of the season, um, and a win that shows that this team is actually literally built different than they were before that's going to do it for today's show like i said on tomorrow's show hopefully we'll be talking about a huge outing from andrew heaney and a four-game winning streak tying the longest of the season and hopefully the rangers continuing to build ground in this al west where they currently sit in first place thank you all so much for listening and subscribing and until next time don't forget to enjoy first place texas rangers baseball Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.